Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Team DSM Men's Preview for 2022. There'll be a women's preview as well. Kind of a chalk and cheese between those two teams in terms of success this year. As usual, we will have recap of their 2021 season, which has been done all over the place, particularly on the Vila Flitz website. They've had some good reporting over the entire season by Nico Dick, particularly. And then we have transfers, picking their teams for races and what our hot takes are for them in 2022. And just as a reminder, DSM were the worst team in World Tour this year by points. Now, points aren't everything, of course, but they won in terms of victories. They, they did get uh, five World Tour wins, which is quite a lot, but broadly were not that competitive throughout the season. And they had Case Bowl win in Paranese Stage 2, then a four-month gap between their next win of any level, which was Tudelin GC in Stage 3 by Stora, before rattling off a Polonia win with Arndt and three Vuelta wins from the break with Stora and Bardet. But Benji, I don't know what happened. Well, still one win for the first six months when there's a lot of the racing. It's just a completely different team from last year in terms of performance when last year they were, I think, top five and, you know, he or she and it was so, so much better last year with more Grand Tour wins. Yes, certainly. I feel like uh, last year we had that intense fiery Hirschi in the Tour de France. Then he did great at the likes of Fledge Wallon and so forth. So that was so different from this year. I think... Uh, I recall one of the previous years of Sunweb when Dumoulin was still riding for the team that they also had this dry period for the initial part of the year and really kicked into action towards the end. And I feel like 2022, 2021, sorry, we're not that far in the future yet, uh, is also a year like that. They started off slow and towards the end they did rack up points or victories at least. Points, not really. But um, I feel they, their major part of the season is the Vuelta. As simple as that. We can talk about Tour de la Vuelta, Burgos, Pyrenees stage of Case Bowl, who are, I I guess that Pyrenees stage is a decent victory for sure, but Vuelta three stage wins is where it's at. And Michael Storr is a big part of that. Did he also win the mountain classification? I think he did, right? He did, yes. Then Roman Bardet winning a stage there as well. Yes, it's because he fell out of GC basically, but I guess three stage wins in a Vuelta is certainly something that a lot of people uh, or teams will be looking for. And that's the part of the season that did work out for them. Now, where do you think that the problem areas are? Do you think that it's the consistency of sprinters and so forth? Sprinting, GC, classics. Um, that's that's pretty much it because stage hunting is very – you can get hot like they did in the Tour last year or the Vuelta this year. There can be some suitable stages. The GC situation might play out so that you, there's more break opportunities. But case bowl – like clearly another very inconsistent and not great year, won that Paranese stage. And they can talk all they want about the lead out. I think uh, in the, one of the interviews, Speck and Brink or the DS uh, Curvas was like the lead out was also a problem. Mm, I don't know about that. I saw many times Niels Echoff bringing Case Bowl into a reasonable position and Bowl literally couldn't open up his sprint. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, bowl a problem. Dainese was encouraging at the Vuelta. Yeah. Like I think that was good to see at the Vuelta. Uh, but again, I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but this points classification, Benji, they do have a decent buffer on Lotto Cofidis, but if they repeat this year and the other two get their act together and Arkea as well, DSM could be in the relegation from World Tour battle as well. And that's just because, as Benji said, not many sprinters and stages in Grand Tours don't give you that many points. But they're a far cry from 2017 with Dumo, before that with Kittle or 2014. And I think we should talk about the issues, Benji, being you know all these all these riders leaving. And I guess I've never really asked your view on it. 
um, like what you think is wrong? So my take on it is we've seen across the years that many riders have left. So I'll, I'll name a few. Kitula at a, at a certain point. We had uh, Bargill leaving at a certain point. We had... Uh, there was some trouble with Dumoulin as well. We had trouble with Ilan van Welder this year. We had trouble with Benoit this year. Here she last year. There's probably some other Matthews. names that I... Yeah, Matthews. There's probably some other names that I forgot to mention. But it feels like DSM has this mold that they want the rider to fit in. And if a rider does not fit in that mold when it comes to the way he wants to behave with that team or the way he trains in a perfect way and the way he's fine with every decision being made by the staff and not having much input into that if that mold is not okay for the rider the rider is going to bring that up and is going to complain about that and it seems like they don't take that feedback in based on the reporting i've seen and i think that's a major issue like we heard about saddle heights riders not being able to adjust it uh, needing to go through 26 emails to adjust their saddle height, even though obviously the human body changes throughout the course of the year, even if measurements are done at the start of the year. It seems like they're trying to do the marginal gain stuff and they're trying to be scientific and analytical, which I understand, but there seems to be, it's just not done in a very smart way. I love that they tell their riders their schedule early on in the year, which for the entire year, I love that they have experts setting them up on the bike, etc. That being said, it's not an exact science, a rider's bike position. And as I said, it might change and the rider will know best, hey, I feel uncomfortable here. I need to change this. And it's no use having to a three-month delay to do that, if that was the case. With the Van Wilder thing, Benji, now listen, I don't have a problem. I think it's quite good that if a team sees a rider is unhappy, they let a rider go. We saw that with Dylan Kronenwegen and Jumbo Visma. Not unhappy, but... Uh, interests aren't aligned, yeah. ambitions aren't aligned. They let, we, we commended Jumbo Visma for what they did there. Van Wilder thing's a little bit different or the, all the other ones are different. First of all, the DSM make it very, very obvious that there's bad blood literally in the press releases announcing yeah. it. Secondly, well, with Van Wilder, they, they weren't keen to let him go mainly because I, I felt like he, he was also in the wrong on certain counts. Yeah. He was putting things on social media he shouldn't have. And But then they, they left him out of the Vuelta with very, very short notice. And if you're going to do that to riders, you have to understand people are not going to be happy uh, when you do that. So if it was one rider, like with Yumbo, you say there's not an, a systemic problem here with the number of riders, particularly their best riders, going, which, you know, speaking of which, five of their six top riders by points last year have left. He or she, Kelderman, Hinley, Matthews, Tej Benoit. Like, that's a you problem. Even if you think the riders are wrong, well, okay, the riders you think are wrong, you let them leave. Where does that leave you? Worst in World Tour by points. So do you think from what you've read there'll be any changes next year or more of the same? From the reactions that I've seen in the media and so forth from, I think, Kemna and Spakenbrink, it seems like they're so like brought in by their own mindset and so forth that it doesn't seem like they're willing to change their uh, ways for riders that bring it up. But I obviously hope that they adapt slightly because this is not a way to continue. It's basically a development team with a development team at this point. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so, as Benji was referring to, some of the quotes in the media, it reads like shit out of a 1984, the novel 1984, <laughs> like just being like buzzwords about the writer must submit to cooperation. Cooperation, yeah, <laughs> cooperation. What was it with a... Uh... Whitens is uh, antibiotics or something? Oh, yeah. And then Dumo, didn't he have like a knee surgery and then they asked him to drive like 12 hours north? Uh, that was reported as well. So he wasn't particularly happy about that and then he turned around midway through. Anyway, things aren't all roses at DSM, I don't think, even though Bardet and Chris Hamilton say they're happy there. Here are the transfers outwards. Rose retires. We saw that coming. When we saw him on the GCN couch halfway through the year, Martin Salmon, I think, left the team. Felix Gall, I think he left his contract early as well. Benji the Austrian to Asia de Citroën, but no huge loss. Chad Haig has gone to Rally. Yasha Sutherland's gone to Bahrain. Again, no huge loss. Now the bigger ones. Max Cantor. Now you're saying Max Cantor, that's a big one. He's gone to Movistar. Well, Max Cantor's a Conti sprinter that can score points. So he has a value in this market. 
Van Wilder to the Koenig, we knew about that already. Storer to FTJ, Hindley to Bora, he or she already, I mean, still counts to UAE. The note to Yumba Visma, the most recent one. That's a lot of good riders out the door, Benji. Yeah. Personal question for you. If you see that Hindley and Storer after 2021 are both out of contract, you've got the same amount of money to sign them both, either one of them. Who do you sign? Uh, well, no, that's, I can't answer that because Hindley will cost a lot. <laughs> well, no, but Hin- Hindley costs a lot more than Storer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I would sign Storer for the lower price every time, obviously. Um, but if he was the same, I'd consider still signing Storer after this year. No? Okay. Like for for the what for the big price for like whatever it is high six or figures. the small price? Oh, still yeah, he, a store store. You mean on ability? Yeah, I think Stora is what he did at the Welter was particularly impressive, um, and I would I'd probably keep him in that role rather than taking him to. I think that he's going to do GCS in one week's or four day races. Anyway, that's a lot of points out the door. What about Tej Benoit, Benji? Do you expect him to? be better at Yumbo or we won't really know because he'll be a domestique a lot of the time? I think he'll fit perfectly in the role that Yumbo requires him to fit in, which is a domestique role for Wout van Aert in the Classics and being able to be a versatile domestique in other areas like Hill Classics and mountain races and so forth. So he's good there. I feel like he's uh, not having to get much opportunities there, but we're going to keep that for the Yumbo pod. But I, uh, it's hard to say whether he's going to be better at Yumbo or something, but I think he's certainly fitting in their program. But uh, I do believe that this team, DSM, is going to miss him. You surprised they let Kanter go? Like, I know he's not a world beater, but he's 24. He's German. I know it's a Dutch, mostly Dutch team, but he's been through the development team, and I don't know. I think I think it's one of Movistar's best pickups, but he can Perhaps certainly- he wanted a different saddle height. Maybe, maybe. It's hard to say. Anyway, a lot of lot of riders out the door. Incoming. This is what's particularly interesting to me. You know, when they signed Marco Brenner, very young, Lechnerson, Nicholas Merkel coming up from development team, all these young riders. Aaron's been back in the day. Now they're having Denkolb come back. Now I assume it's on a, a lower salary than he was on at Lotto Sudal. I'd, I'd hope so, although we've seen Bardet <laughs> on a – apparently Bardet is on – close to 2 million euro. What do you think? And, and they're talking, I've seen announcing, oh, he can be a leader in the clubhouse, a leader for the team, but Denkob certainly is not what he was, Benji. Even like Tour de France, stage-winning level after his accident, but he's certainly not what he was when he was at Argos Shimano or whatever pre his uh, accident. Yeah, certainly not. I, I feel like he's already having difficulties just getting a victory in a year, which is proven by the fact that he doesn't have any in 2021. I feel like he does still have the cobble ability because if we remember like at the end of last season in 2020, he got ninth in RVV, for example, sixth in the end Wevelgem. Those are good results. It's only less than a year, well, a bit more than a year difference between that time and now. So if he can find that again, then he can definitely be worthy for this squad in cobble races, be a co-leader or a helper when it comes down to it. But I feel like he's valuable for this team, certainly. He can get top 10 positions in uh, in uh, in sprints. I'm not sure that's very valuable because they have case ball for that already. Well, Eschborn Frankfurt, second, like that. You say, oh, whatever, 250 points. You're right. I, I think he's a good signing, depending on the money. They need no. a rider like him. They don't have – and he's only 32. He's not 36 or 37. And even if he doesn't get back to that 20 sort of – the, the giant Alperson 2016 level, yeah. it's it's still, I think, a, quite a good signing. They need leaders. The next ones uh, I'll run through. Jonas Iversby Wiedeberg from UNOX, Henry van Denebiel from the uh, development team, uh, Leon Heinschke from the dev team, Rodenberg from UNOX, Meyerhofer from the dev team, Sam Wellsford, who I know from Australia, who was on the Australian uh, track pursuit team, is sprinter. He's come in as well, and Tim Naverman from the dev team. Which ones stand out from you there, Benji? Well, first of all, I want to talk about Henry van der Abele, who is, in my opinion, one of the better signings here as well. He got, I think, third in the uh, Giro U23, 
very decent climber. I recall him winning that race last year. He second last year in the Giro U23. So, uh, yeah, indeed, Pitcock won that. You're right. Uh, so quite certainly a, a decent climber. Otherwise, you uh, wouldn't be doing that. And he does that ahead of the likes of Tobias Holland Johansson, who we spoke about in the uh, uh, the Neo Pro podcast we did. Right, it is like Alessandro Vere, that's a climber from Kolpak, who's going to Arkea this year. Piganzoli, a climber once again in Cometa. So, it's like, these are good results for Ivan Abel, and I feel like he's a, a worthy rider to get onto World Tour. The problem is that he will take time to uh, develop as a climber and to become a GC rider or a climbing rider in uh, in races. And that's where I see the problem with his transfer. He's got a contract until 2023. By the time he's getting to the point where he's got results or can achieve results, he's might he might be going to another team by then. Exactly. Like he... That's the problem with these contracts, particularly with the GC guys. You, you don't expect him to be coming out and consistently top tenning uh, World Tour stage races, or at least uh, I don't expect that. Um, otherwise, Mayorhofer, I remember from 2018 Junior Worlds, I think he was in the break and Remco came past and dropped him. Uh, Rodenberg had good results in 2019, and I believe might have been in the, the track Olympics focus, but he won Eschborn Frankfurt U23. He looks quite fast. Uh, Wilson's very fast. He's been, I know people don't know, but the Bay Crits had like some World Tour riders. If you've seen one of my older videos, he did really well there with Kel O'Brien as his lead out. I was actually surprised he didn't go to Bike Exchange with the pairing of Kel O'Brien. But you won't see many of his results in 2021 or 2020, man, because Australians haven't been able to race any races in Asia or Australia, and he's been in the track program. But he's very fast, and um, they should be able to pick up try and pick up some points with him. The other guys, again, are sort of development, as, as from the name suggests, young guys on the development program, like Leon Heinschke, German, GC prospect, third GC at Tour Alsace, and he, I think, came second on a mountaintop finish ahead of Santiago Umba, who's a hugely touted prospect with a quadro, the Colombian 18-year-old on Androni, dropped him. So, yeah, it's... There's no one there, Benji, that's on like even its Olo level, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Um, like the Wiedeberg, um, I like him uh, as well, partially because I know the guy, but also because uh, he, I think, was in the breakaway in Kuna a decent rider to get over cobbles, and he was uh, pretty prominent in breakaways and so forth in action in you know, X. He's also the guy, I think, that was it the Norwegian Championships against Bistrum where there was a 1v1 sprint or something oh, and yeah. they stole the, it from him. the judge they didn't have a photo finish or something and decided on the spot who the winner was which was Bistrum which I completely disagree with but hey that's how it was decided I think he's also U23 European champion last year or the year yes, before he, so uh, 2020. he's very good yeah. he's very very good worth signing 100% I'm surprised I'm surprised Uno X couldn't keep him because for all like Paris Tour Spy, he just won. He looks very, very good and 22 worth signing. But that being said, Benji, out of those transfers, how many World Tour wins do you see in there? Like what, Degenkolb one would be good? Zero. Yeah, I think the likelihood is zero unless they can get like a, a couple of easier races or Catalonia with Degenkolb, I think in a sprint might fit as well. But yeah, that's the that's the transfers for DSM. Don't know what they're are they do you know are they a big budget team or are they kind of mid pack? My guess is mid pack, but I actually don't yeah. know. All right. Time to pick the cobbled team for team DSM in twenty twenty two. It's a lot more clear now who the leader should be, although this is, you know, the team is equality. There are no leaders. We are all leaders and have an opinion at DSM, um, which I'm sure they told he or she after he nearly ran the Ardennes uh, in 2020. But Dan has to go to as many <laughs> as many one-day races as possible, particularly like Omloop and Kerner. Uh, who else would you send with him? Søren Kra has to go to like the RVV type things, Echov at Omloop, um, Nikias Arndt for some of them. But otherwise... Niemenhuis, Wiedeberg, I would put in there. Casper ah, Peterson, yes. those three. Uh, 
what's Dasfeld good at? Isn't he a decent climber? I think he doesn't fit in these races. Nice. Yeah, he doesn't fit there. Um, yeah, I think those are really the names, to be honest. Nico Dens, perhaps. I recall him doing cobble kind of races, but I don't really see it recently. So I'm not sure how decent he's at it uh, these days. But the names we named are the ones I'd be putting in those races. Um, but in all honesty, like if we look at that team, what do you think they can achieve with that? I think they can get a fair few top fives uh, in like Brugge de Panna, Gen Vedelgem, Omloop Kerner, if they get Degenkolb on into good condition, and then RVV, they need Sordenkrath. Am I overrating him at RVV, or has he done okay there before? I, I think he can do okay there, but he hasn't had optimal uh, optimal racing there. I, f- I think he fits more in a Paris Roubaix style race, but he also hasn't had the best Paris Roubaix uh, in 2021. Although that was a pretty special edition. Yeah, so I think a lot of it falls on on Denkold, frankly. Um, to be honest, yeah, like that's probably why it's a better signing because they don't really have much else for cobbles. Ardennes, again, it's not looking great because I guess for the likes of Brabant's Benji, you'd go with maybe Sir and but more Lechnusund, Time and Aronsman. But these again are not top shelf guys. They're good young prospects. I like them. But if Aronsman and Lechnusund are your leaders for the Ardennes, you're not in great shape. Mark Donovan, he looked good in Vuelta breaks last year, but little of note. Uh, this year, but he's, Axel Bardet. Know, he can't do all of them though, can he? Like, would you? Or, I mean, flesh, fleshly age, yes. But what about like Brabant and Amstel? Still Bardet? Nah, not Brabant and Amstel, but I put him in LBL for certain. Um, he can top ten that on a decent day, and I think he's done decent at Podium flesh. Before. Has he? Okay, well, yeah. Example, <laughs> but uh, I think I would put him in there. It's hard to fill up an entire team, though, in this squad. Certainly, with the likes of Atish Binod last year, it was easier, I would dare to say. Wasn't for Mark the guy that five years ago won LBLU 23? 2019. <laughs> Two years ago. I don't know how you remember that. But anyways, he's only 21. So again, yeah. as Benny said at the top of the show, it's a dev team with a dev team, half the, <laughs> half the guys, because... You know, we're struggling to pick out their Liege team because I'm not even seeing like a reliable domestique, like a, a, an experienced uh, Arden domestique. It's Aronsman, Lechnerson, and as Benny said, Bade clearly has to be flesh Liege, Amstel leader, and then Rabans maybe gives some, some other people some options. Hamilton, perhaps, he got top 70 at LBL, so he can True. survive some climbs. <laughs> True. Jesus. Um, maybe Van Danabil, honestly, Benji. He's quite talented. Yeah. Why, why not send him uh, to those? All right, Giro, Giro d'Italia. I have no idea. <laughs> it's got to be Bard AGC, right? I would say so because I feel like it's the best of the three ground stores to send them to for certain. Uh, less time trials. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'd put Bardet in the Giro. Now, I put Dainese in there for the sprints. Uh, I feel like Dainese's year could be the one where he starts winning World Tour races. Last year, he was close to them quite quite a lot. And I feel like he's on the brink of a, a World Tour victory this year. I feel like he will win a World Tour victory this year. I don't think that's a hot take, actually. So I'll keep it in this part of the uh, podcast here. I agree with that in that I would split the team. The problem with, the problem with Bardet's Euro Benji is now the... Uh... The Ardennes. He didn't do the Ardennes this year, and then he was quite yeah. good at the Giro. Does is that you know how do you combine those two? I think he has to do both, and then can have a big break until he does the Vuelta. Although, if the point situation is bad at the end of the year, he might have to be going to Trevelyan type races, not the Vuelta. Although they're afterwards, um, I'd send Van Danabeel. You know, I love to send the Neo Pros to the Giro. I mean, hey, Schmidt was a Neo Pro, <laughs> won a Giro stage, like in his first stage race, just about. Why not? Uh, Lechnersund, oh, Chris Hamilton, you'd have to pair with with him. Dainese, you're going to have to give him some sort of lead out. Nikias Arndt loves, he loves a Giro 
sort of style big break transition stage win. He won one in 2016, I think, ahead of Trenton. It might not even be a break. Uh, so I would send Arnt as well just to be a, a ruler and can pick up something and uh, to help Dainese and maybe Donovan. Uh, send Donovan if you can if you can get in. But, yeah, I think Bardet, Benji, I think he can podium the Giro. Okay. I feel like these days that's a hot take. You could have is kept it? that for the end. <laughs> I, I feel don't like know. it I'd, is. They'll also be looking at, I think, Florian Stork, who looked good at UAE to a seventh on Jebel Hafeet. They, they really need, but then showed the nothing for the, the rest season. of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I agree that he had that one good race, but he needs consistency yeah. uh, and needs to prove something more to be able to uh, specify which race he needs to be sent to, to be honest. What's clear is that for every single race, we have half a team for DSM. Yeah. And we have to fill it up with other people. And yeah, you're going to have a bit of a lead out for Dainese going. Yeah, you're going to have a bit of support for uh, Bardet going if you send him to the Giro. Uh, I'm currently just wondering where they'll send their youngsters. Basically everywhere, I'm guessing, because they've got spots everywhere left. But like a Marco Brenner, I have no clue where to send this guy. He did the Dauphiné. I remember he attacked but with another DSM rider. Uh, but he's so young. He, he's 19. He turned 19 this year in his Neo Pro year, like he's 18 at the start of it. It's, again, the contract until 2024. I reckon, Benji, I reckon in 2023, 2024, we're going to see a reversal of these of the signing the young guys because they realize, holy shit, all you do is develop them for three, four years, and then they take the store deal and they leave. <laughs> well, he wasn't signed that young. Uh, yep. But, yeah, Brenner, he, he's, clear, he's not at a level yet where he can be a consistent contributor as a domestique in World Tour stage racing. So that's a problem. Tour de France, I'm going with Sörenkra, Degenkolb, Echoff, Case Bowl, hoping that he's, <laughs> you know, picked it up a bit. Casper uh, Pedersen. Uh, Who's going to go for the stage wins? <laughs> Damon Hardensman for GC, time trial. Hardensman is really good. I think he's really, really good. Um, I just eleventh at Romandy. There's not that much GC wise. Vuelta, he was good, a really, really good final TT. Third, holy fuck! Yeah, I think he's 22. He's another one, Benji. He's 22. This is the end of his contract with DSM. If I was another team, I'd be licking my lips to pick up Tom and Aaronsman yeah. uh, and be bidding on him. But he needs to go, and like he's the kind of rider where I'm like. I feel like he's more the GC type due to his time trial where he needs to try and go for a top 10 in GC in a Grand Tour. While with other riders, I'd say go for a stage win. I don't feel that with Ironsman for some reason. Time and Ironsman is Duo 2.0. 190 centimeters, 22. Got some climbing, you know, maybe improve his climbing. I mean, that's obviously his, that's his ceiling, but the TT is very good. But again, he's only 22. So that's, if you're Jumbo Visma, you're like, okay, let's try and bring this guy through and DSM, I guess, thought that. So anyway, we're getting off topic. We are high on time and announcement. Tour de France, yeah, as I said, Denkol, Bolton, Echoff, and Sorenkra to go for stages and maybe Nico Dens um, as well. It's it's not great. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> based on like the amount of doubt we have to complete a full team but uh, i think those are the names that we're looking for quite rightly um i think we mentioned lekinson quite a lot i'm wondering which grand tour we should send them to for first and <laughs> not, with his time trial yet? i would dare to say send them he's, he hasn't done one yet Vuelta probably then Vuelta. yeah with Welter. But yeah, I think Casper Pedersen, third on a transition stage this year. I think they can still win Tour de France stages if they get yeah. into that stage 19 sort of breakaway with SKA and and Casper Pedersen. So it's not all won the last cobble stage. Exactly. Right? So yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, but again, they have no GC prospect for the Tour. Their only GC rider of any no- real note at this point is, is Bardet. That's not to say that maybe another guy takes a step up. Because uh, Aaronsman has good numbers in training, at least. Vuelta, no idea. <laughs> I think Bardet, Benji, and to go for GC, all those uh, stages, and Donovan, Hamilton, maybe. I would not send Dainese. I think you should send Dainese to some smaller one-day races to pick up some points. 
I don't know. I'm on the edge. Um, it depends on where they are in GC uh, in the team ranking at that point. I would dare to say because yeah. I somewhat have the feeling that they're still gonna be okay in that. And can't you just send Dagan Cole for top tens in in one dot one classics at the end of the season after the Tour de France? So probably. I don't know. It's that's the end of our sort of picking their teams for various races. Bade GC at the Giro, I think, is the best result they can go for and the most realistic like top tier result they can get yeah. this year. I think Bade GC Giro is, is a big, big target. And then Degenkolb in the first week of the Tour de France. So listen, broadly speaking, this is not a deep team. You know, as you could tell by how difficult it was to fill out eight spots in each race. That being said, they do have non-delusional options for classics, GC at the Giro, and at least a stage or, or two at the Tour, which some teams cannot say. Time for hot takes, Benji. They have Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're not high. I'm sensing you're not high on DSM. Just generally. I have a hard time figuring out realistic hot takes because <laughs> we have to say hot takes and they need to be somewhat realistic so that it's in the, in the area of possibility. And I've got a hard time figuring that out right now with this team. But if you just shit on them, people are like, that's not a hot take <laughs> as well. <laughs> this year they had five World Tour wins. They over under I am setting again at four and a half World Tour under. wins. And I was very quick. Benji's on the just triggered. He's pulled the trigger there. Yeah, under, uh, under like who's going to take those stage wins? Bardet is going for GC most likely in the Giro. So unless he fails in the first week, he's not going to be uh, quick enough to respond with a stage win in the third week. So perhaps one stage win yeah, can be Bardet in that Grand Tour. Perhaps he picks one up in the Vuelta even. So two, Dynasia three. But next to that, I have a hard time figuring out anybody that can take a World Tour stage in this team. I guess there's when you have Aaronsman and you have Lechnerson, you know, if we were doing this this time last year, we wouldn't have said Michael Storer, uh, two World Tour wins and two Grand Tour wins. So yeah. maybe it's Aaronsman and Lechnerson who picked those up and they, they really kick on. Let's hope but so. I hope so, for their sake. That being said, if. I- if Aaronsman does well, someone's going to offer him a good contract. Like that's that's the problem when he's he's in his last year of his deal, according to PCS at least. And um, at least Lechnerson's got another year or so after this. But I don't know. I'm, I'm on the edge, Benji. I'm going. I'm going over. Ooh, okay. I'm going over because like SKA can't have a worse year. His year oh, was terrible. <laughs> So if if Kra Anderson just wins one, Aaronsman or Lechnerson or Donovan pick up some sort of break somewhere, Nicky Assant does what Nicky Assant does, then Bade, I'm going to over, but not by much. Uh, and that's good for us to disagree. Now time for hot take. Or do you think they get relegated, Benji? I don't think so. It'd be very fucking hard for them to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't... Well, if every rider leaves by the end of the season, they might. <laughs> I don't think they will. Uh, I don't think they will get relegated. But I don't think... I don't think they're going to have their 2020 highs again, neither. No. Um, all right, hot takes time. Uh, I, got, I got some. I got some hot okay. takes for DSM. I think uh, Henry Van Denebiel comes top 10 in a world tour stage race okay my only like relatively uh, i feel like it is at this point for it needs to be somewhat realistic you know so we can't go too no, much it does not because <laughs> <laughs> like i feel like your bar day for top three in the Giro was already quite uh, much hotter actually but a zero podium's a lock like just lock uh-huh. it in I think Caseball will not win a single race this year. I was about to say that one too. I think Caseball will win a race. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I think Lechnerson. Uh, I think sorry, Aaronsman. Eh, that's not a hot take. Who else? I'm just looking through this. <laughs> this team, Jesus. What's a hotter take? Caseball will not win, or Caseball will win more than one World Tour stage? <laughs> I don't think he's always winning. on one. <laughs> I don't think Caseball's winning a race. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, 
it's it's just tough. It's tough here. I just don't want to. Sh- I think I think Sam Wellsford wins three pro races. Like they can, <laughs> that's hot. I think he's gonna win three pro. <laughs> that's pretty not, fucking not, not hot. Not dot pro, not dot pro. I mean professional. So one yeah. ones count or two one two ones count. Let's not make it too hot. Yeah, I think he wins wins some of them. He's gonna assume sprint leadership over Case Bowl, go to the Tour de France as sprint leader next year. Look forward to it. Uh, but yeah, that was our DSM preview. Let us know. Do you think there's structural problems with DSM that will not be fixed? What do you think is the the point of this team at the moment with so many developing riders is the UCI ranking system kind of unfairly treating them or is it right that you shouldn't be really rewarded for having half your team as a dev team? What do you think will come out of Aronsman and Lechnerson, very highly touted prospects in Van Denebiel? You do have to say, Benji, they generally do get young riders developing in terms of, and performing well at some point. Like it's not like our de- our dealer at UAE. So, like, do you think if you were an agent for Henry Van Denebiel, I'm not sure DSM's a bad spot to go. I don't think so either because it has a perfect contract length. Where at the end of your contract, yep. <laughs> you're gonna be good enough to go to another team that will pay you more, most likely. And like for Van Denebiel, the two year contract is perfect because. I'm guessing that by the end of that period, he's going to be bad. Like all these riders that do great, they do so in a, a year where they end up leaving. So that seems to be the trend for me. And it seems like the people who have less ambition, like Chad Haga, for example, had, he was happy with his time at DSM, ended up leaving to rally now, but he was happy there. So it seems like the back to the battle uh, we spoke about at the start here, the concept that some riders are leaving. I would dare to put it on the fact that riders with ambition have more trouble. Yeah, I think. And listen, if you were to Koenig, say Henry Van Denebiel has a terrible year, terrible two years, sorry. He's 23, end of 2023. If you're quick step, you pick him up, right? Every day of the week, you pick him up on a minimum deal. So it's... Lotto Sudal? Yeah, well, maybe. Um, but he was on there. He was on there. 5 U20. to 10 in GC? <laughs> he's on their club team or U23 team. But he yeah. um, that's why I think, as ben, I agree with Benji, DSM, you get good develop. I do think you get good development for young riders and then they, they get to Tej Benut's age and they're like, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. It seems to be the <laughs> recurring theme. But from 20 to 23, you get World Tour experience because they got to send riders to these races. World Tour teams can see you and then you your contract's up when you're young enough that people still want to take a shot on you, particularly when you are Bel- you know Belgian like Van Denneville. So, yes. I kind of like them in that aspect. I do think some self-reflection is needed, but I hope they have a better year anyway, particularly Dagen Kolb. Uh, I was sad to see him if you're not winning at Ashbourne. Moving on now to Team DSM women's team, which had a lot more sick. Well, yeah, I, I would say it had a bit more success than the men's team. It certainly had the best sprinter in the world, Lorena Vibas, one of the most valuable contracts in women's cycling with the Tour de France fam coming on board next year but still a weird season and still one that came in like dribs and drabs in terms of wins with a lot in september october almost a third of the wins at the end of the year and all of the women's world tour wins benji at the tail end of the year which was three women's world tour wins two women's tour one at ronda van drenta like the last race of almost any race in the season on the 23rd of october very late Although Giro, Donna stages, three of them, typically they would be uh, world, women's world tour wins. How would you rate this season, Benji? Because overall, Team DSM are pretty well-rated, mid-pack. They're like, I think, the fourth in the UCI ranking, 18 total UCI wins. What do you rate, make of their season? I think it's a good season. And in all honesty, it's as simple as saying that if you have Lorena Weber's in your team, you're very likely going to win a lot of sprint stage in the year. And that is shown by the amount of wins that she brings in for this team. The problem is that not that many of them were World Tour. I think only three of those victories were World, were world Tour. There's like, how many in total? Roughly, this is pure guess. I think 14, 13 victories by Wibbers this year, which is quite substantial. And uh, that is compared to that 18 you mentioned. So she's definitely the, the biggest taker when it comes to victories in the squad, as expected. But that doesn't mean that the rest of the squad is terrible. Corinne Lebecki Rivera had a bit of a, 
uh, a moment where she wasn't racing for a bit during the season, if I recall correctly. But towards the end, she also had a uh, victory in that Giro Rosa where they had, I think, a lead out with Rivera slash Lebecki now doing the lead out for Wibus in the sprint train, which is a godlike combination, of course. But Lebecki's leaving. I know, that's the problem. And she could have had a few more wins, I think. Um, yeah. There was Norway as well where they couldn't chase it back. But yeah, she's going to Jumbo Visma, which is an interesting transfer. Uh, but yeah, the we'll talk about the transfers in a second. Overall, I would say, well, I wouldn't say everyone would probably agree, this season lent heavily, heavily on Lorena Vibas. Pfeiffer Georgie came on strongly, I guess, at the end of the year and particularly the British national champs, although not for DSM, she, that sort of classics ability, I think she will carry through next year. So yeah, Lauren Evers, a lot of this team's success hinges on her. In terms of transfers, riders going out, Susanna Anderson, who actually in one of the Norwegian races, she was quite punchy in an uphill drag finish, going second in one of those. Benji already mentioned, Corin Lebecki, the talented American to Jumbo Visma, her and Voss, pretty lethal combo. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. And Anna Henderson, Vilma Olausen to Uno X, and Julia Sooks retired. But Corin Lebecki, Benji, I would say clearly their second best rider, particularly when someone who in terms of people that can win races. Certainly when it comes to her uh, winning ability, like you mentioned, she has that uphill sprint and so forth. But I wouldn't say that the transfers coming in are uh, not necessarily replacing that. The thing about Corinne Lebecki is that while Wibbs is more the pure sprinter, Lebecki was able to take on hillier sprints. Same for Susanna Anderson, like you mentioned. And um, in all honesty, it is a loss. That's quite certain. And not only is it a loss for the team, it's another competitor in an opposing team, which is not that great. But I do still believe that Wibbs is their most valuable asset and keeping her is their uh, priority. And when other people leave, they can try and replace that. And I think they've actually got quite a few good incoming transfers. First of all, Charlotte Cole, I think you've mentioned her before on this podcast, coming from Next Gen Racing. NXTG is a short name for that. I believe that she's a, a pretty good sprinter, isn't she? Yeah, I think she's really good and adds a bit of, I guess, when Vibas isn't on or Vibas can't race the entirety of the year and there's a lot of sprints in Women's World Tour. You know, Balwaza Ladies Tour taking out a win there. GP Disberg taking out a win there. Just adds more UCI wins. Uh, in terms of better competition this year, 22 years old, she came 10th at Shell Depression. You know, listen, that's not anything to write home about particularly, but as I said, 22 Looking pretty good. 14th at Trentha and some other placings in classic-y live sprint courses. So, yeah, I'm keen to see how she goes. In terms of the other riders, there's Leah Kurunier uh, coming from Arkea Pro Cycling Team. She's a cyclocrosser, 20 years old as well. And so she's in, been in racing a fair few U23 races. Uh, but, yeah, not huge results on the road yet. But... I guess maybe she can focus on our cyclocross a little bit more talent. She won the La Grandville cyclocross uh, the other week or last month, actually. Any other transfers at note, Benji? There's Francesca yep. Barale. I'm, uh, I'm into uh, Francesco Barale when it comes to her uh, results at the junior level, but also oh, she's after doing the junior level, she also rode at the end of the season Trivale Varizini women's race. And in that race, she came a solid 12th spot, and that's not against junior riders. That was against riders that are in World Tour teams, like AR Monix had their team there, Volker had their team there, Sierra won that race ahead of Garcia and Rachel Nealon, so those are not terrible riders, certainly. If she can follow Peloton like that and be in that first few groups in the 12th position at the age that she is at, which is still at 18, then she can grow out to be a solid rider in the future. I think that's a, a pretty damn strong rider, and she... Uh, yeah, she's proving herself in the junior ranking and hopefully she can do so in the uh, World Tour ranking in the future as well. The last rider that they've signed is Elise Juchen. She is, again, another really young rider, Netherlands from, uh, from the, the Netherlands. Yes. Elisa Ayen. <laughs> it was a I'd... bit too much. <laughs> to even Benji couldn't bear that one. Elisa Eichen. Uh, 18 years old, she came fourth in World Championships road race, junior road race, 
uh, third in the U- European Women's Championships Junior ITT. It's like an all-round rider. When you think of the riders there, like Zoe Backstedt won the World Champs Junior Road Race this year, and she is very highly touted. The British rider, uh, 17, like she wins everything. <laughs> she, I think she won the Essence Cycle Cross last month too. So, yeah. I've got a question. Yes, sir. Like, DSM is signing Charlotte Cole. We know that she's a very talented rider from the results she's had already. But um, why on a one-year contract? Is it a one-year? Yes, it's a one-year contract until 2022, according to PCS at least. That's a bit... I mean, maybe it is one year. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't really make sense. Wouldn't she want more years? And why wouldn't why wouldn't DSM want to lock her in for... Another few years, but yeah, I can see it's the one year deal. Maybe it's a prove it deal. They've got, they've already got Lorena Vibas, so they don't need like a need a top top sprinter. But yeah, I don't really know. That's a, that's a fair point, Benji. Maybe it's a budget thing. Maybe it's a UCI cycle thing. I don't know. Anyway, going on, we've done their transfers. Going on to the sort of teams we'd expect DSM to put together first for the cobbled races, and this was a lot easier actually when they had. Uh, Corin Lebecki on the team because you could say RVV like you can just she's a lock for that. I think they got Megan Jastrab, the young American. I remember she won the junior uh, champs, I think, in Harrogate back in 2019. I'd expect her to take a step up, but I think five for Georgie Benji is really going to step into a leadership role in the Belgian classics. She seems to be good in miserable conditions. <laughs> She's been training loads, from what I can see. I think her alongside Florchi Mackay. Uh, is are the two main leaders. I believe those are indeed the two candidates I'd push forward as well. The thing about this team is that in those races, like Eichhand Wevelgem and, uh, well, those kind of races, OxyClean, that's where I'd also end up putting uh, the big one, Lorina Wibis, because if it comes down to a sprint, you've got True. that option then. And we saw that at the end of the season, was it? Brenta, oh, she got over the Berg. She got over the Van Berg. Yeah, the Van Berg multiple times and in a proper way to where she yeah, had her yeah. entire train with her. So it wasn't a, a, a hard time to get over those climbs either. She ended up getting that victory pretty easily in the end. So my question here is like, we've spoken a lot throughout the last couple of years well the last year and a half because we haven't been doing this podcast for 10 years but you know Weber's can't be able do you see it happening she should like she really should Benji there's no there's no real excuse not to like as long as she has the core of Pfeiffer Georgie Florty Mackay and Francisca Koch and maybe you send Lippert as we Lippert will probably go as well just in case that core should be able to bring you back and the last climb is like 36 Ks from the finish, maybe not as far. I don't know. She, It's something that I think she should try, Benji. And what I saw at Trenta, it's worth trying. And if it doesn't work, I guess the problem is, problem is Benji, you send five of Georgie Francisco Lippert with her. If you drop all of those riders back and you can't make it back, back now you've got no chance and no chance for points. So do you leave Lippert in the sort of group ahead like they, they sort of had her there this year? I don't know. It depends on how close the group is and so forth. So it really depends on the situation in the race. And I think it also depends on which people are in the front group and which people are in the peloton. If it's a peloton of like 10 people and it's a front group of like eight people, then it's going to be harder to get back with that peloton group because you'll have less teams to uh, crawl back. But in all honesty, I agree that Lorena Webber should take on Hand Wevelgem. I think she got third in uh, the junior one for certain in the past where it was won by Georgie Pfeiffer. So a fun fact for you there, back in 2017. So uh, a bit of a DSM party now, looking back. But uh, in all honesty, I think that fits. Yeah, and I think that core, which we saw at Drenta, like five DSM in the last group of seven, uh, Suzanne Anson was one of them, but she's out the door now. I think that's quite a good core for the classics on my assumption that five for Georgie is going to really take the next step up. In terms of the Ardennes, the person that needs to take the step up, I think, is Liana Lippert. We saw her. She was very strong in the course in a punchy finish. Now, we haven't seen, like, at the flesh, uh, flesh, and she just hasn't been as good. Like, she had that big breakout win at Cadell's, but she's not consistent in, like, 
Strade, Onloop, etc. Not like we're used to seeing Ludwig sort of top five, top six, all of these races. She's not like that. Like, of course, as I said, very strong. But uh, the European World, uh, the, not European World Championships, the European Continental Championships second. Welter, <laughs> yeah. she was really consistent. Do you think, Benji, she didn't do Amstel? That's yeah, what's she, really uh, weird. She seemed to focus on the cobble races this year more and ended up doing her last race in the preseason before at Lotto Touring and Ladies Tour at La Flèche Wallonne. So not Amstel, not LBL. Last year, she did do those races and she got relatively close. She got second in Brabant's Appel, eighth in La Flèche last year and also 10th in LBL. So those races fit her. I actually don't know why she didn't do those races. Perhaps it's a focus on RVV this time around, but I think uh, she should be doing Hill Classics more than Cobble Classics. Yeah, I agree with you. Amstel, I really would like to see her there next year. I think Kalberg suits her so much, and she didn't even do it last year either. That is bizarre. That's really... Anyway, I'm shooketh. I'm shook by that, but that's who we would have, I would have at least, as their leader uh, at those sort of races. Florty Mackay as well at Amstel or Brabant. She's quite, she's quite a strong rider. And then, to be honest, they're putting together a lot of riders trying to make that squad. They don't have Labu? a deep squad. Yeah, I was going to say Labu. She is... got sixth on Flesh, I think, this year. And uh, pretty close in Amsel. So if she can't fit in a leader's role, which I'd argue co-leader fits her with the results that she put up this year in this squad, then she can still support the other person, Lippert, if it comes down to it. But I dare to put her in a decent position this year. She's been consistent throughout the year. That seventh spot in Giro d'Italia. Internazionale Feminile as well. Strong climbing there. So all that combined, I'd put her definitely near the top at their uh, their Hill Classics team on this one. Yeah, and she's 23 years old, still really young, moving up and improving a lot year on year. Second, like seconds here and there. And I think the TDFF is, which we're, going to move to in a second their stage races benji i think she should be their gc leader and i think she should go for t5 i think the long climbs will suit you think that's unrealistic i think she's also her best their best candidate for gc in the tour de france femme uh we saw i think both labu and lippert doing the giro rosa this year and labu ended up higher in gc seemed to be the better candidate on the climbs and is not actually terrible at time trials either i think she got sixth in the mountain time trial but that's not representative of a flat one really i think she got relatively close on other itts though so yeah she's not terrible at it for certain fifth in the uh, itt of the women's store and all that combined that's what you need to become a gc rider and lippard is just not as good when it comes to itts it seems based on her results and next to that i'd argue that labou is just a better fit and Honestly, I think it's so. pretty cool as a French rider as well as leader in a in the Tour de France fans. So I'm looking forward to see her as GC leader. Is she good enough to be going for GC compared to the readers that we see in other teams, or would you expect that she would choose a KOM or QOM? No, I think she's good enough to go for T5. I think if you're on the fringe of T10, then maybe uh, like Evita Muzic, I think on. Uh, on FTG, uh, FTJ, Nouvelle Aquitaine, Futuroscope, I think she should probably go for polka dots, but Labou seems good enough. She should go for T5, and I think we'll see a surprise. I think we we don't know what will happen with like a long climb at the back end of the race, and I think it's worth it for her. Megan Yastram, I think they're banking on a lot. As I said, talented young American, 19 now. She was did the team pursuit in the Madison, so again, not really – she did no racing in Europe before the Olympics – and then came and did a couple of stage races and DNF'd actually Love Welter first stage uh, of the at Challenge. So they'll be expecting a better year from her. And she has, maybe she picks it up as well. But the big icon or the big focus of the year will be Lorena Vibers, stage one, Champs-Élysées, TDFF, getting that first yellow jersey. They're the favourites to get it. Yeah. But the train, Benji, I think they've got to send Lippert because she's quite... She's quite fast as a lead-out, I think. I think Lippert is part of the train, and they just got to go all in on that. Yeah, I'm curious whether Charlotte Cole could be part of that Weber's train True. at some point during the year. I'm not sure whether sending her instantly as part of the train in the Tour de France Femme is uh, great at that age, but in all honesty, if it fits, why not? It could definitely uh, be a thing. One curious thing, though, like 
We see that the first stage in the uh, Tour de France form is a sprint stage, but halfway the stage, there's a KOM point on the flat. Why not also go for KOM with Wimmers? Yeah, or Leah Kirkman, like someone like that, or Yastrab, like Yastrab getting the breakaway, as I said. Like, why not? Um, they got some good solid domestics. Like, Leah Kirkman, she just like consistent T15s in the women's tour and just, just all around the season, really, just consistent results and often a domestique in those races. She's a really valuable rider, Leah Kirkman on DSM. So yeah. I think they'll have a pretty good squad for the uh, TDFF. And I think a lot of teams, if you don't have AVV, you don't have the favorite for GC. And if you don't have Lorena Vibers, you don't have the favorite for any of the sprints. I think the best overall team sort of team will be like ST Works and Trek, but not much they should be able to do on that first stage. But maybe it'll be break. I don't know. Uh, in terms of other races like Giro Rosa, Giro like, Rosa, it's not that far uh, from the uh, Tour de France summit in the schedule. Will some riders from the squad use that? Giro Rosa as preparation or will some focus on that it's hard to know I don't expect Labu to be leader for both I would dare to say no I don't know it's a good point I think you'd send send Francesca Barale because she's Italian she's Italian yeah that's the, the law <laughs> that's the law uh, <laughs> she has to go and maybe yeah, I think you give more opportunities at the Giro Rosa it's two weeks I think before it starts on the first day of the Tour de France yeah. Uh, men's race so you need to be putting your eggs commercially in the tdff basket and making sure vivas is primed for that maybe you give lippet gc at the giro rosa or she gets her own chances there because she's going to get less opportunities at the tdff also if voss and Longoborghini and Nivia Doma and co are not focusing as much on the Giro Rosa, then Lippert, who regularly T3s those sort of stages, uh, punchy uphill finishes, then maybe she's the sort of rider that can then break through and take two or three yeah, wins at the Giro Rosa. Next to that, we're talking about Wibbers and Cole perhaps being at the Tour de France Femme. What if you split it up? Wibbers for the uh, Tour de France Femme, Cole being the sprinter in the Giro Rosa as our first opportunity in that race. I feel like that's an option as well if we still have a good enough train at the uh, Tour de France Femme, of course, for Wibbers then. That works. I think that's a pretty pretty good plan. But I, I think they might miss... I think they're going to really miss Corinne Lebecki. I think she adds... Yeah. She just adds a lot a rider that can just win win races. Um, that being said, I think they've got a lot to be excited about DSM. They've got a lot of young riders. They've got some valuable, experienced riders as well. And we see upside in Yastra, Barale, and Labu, and Charlotte Cool and Pfeiffer Georgie. There's people who are still improving, like 22 years old. Anyway, time for the over-under on wins. Benji, I'm setting it at five and a half because there's more women's world tour races coming online. Vibas didn't pick up a world tour win until like September, October. Five and a half over-under. I think it's going to be more. And I'm doing so because I believe that she's going to win the stage definitely at the Tour de France Femme. I believe stage races like the Simac Ladies Tour Fitter as well. I think Charlotte Cole will be able to sign up a uh, a proper victory at a World Tour race already this year. I believe that it's going to be more the combination of uh, Vibes and Cole is going to do a lot for this team, I think. I'm going the under. I think Vibes takes like four. They pick up maybe one or two. One elsewhere. And if it was two, then that'd be over. No, I'm taking the under. Taking the under. Hot takes is Vibes takes yellow on the first stage. Ooh. Other hot takes is that... No, I think Pfeiffer Georgie wins Tour of Flanders. Oh, wow. That's a hot take. That's <laughs> certainly a hot take. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, but hey, yeah. that's what the hot take section is for. Why we're here. I think Labou Top 5 is the uh, Tour de France fan. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good shout. What other outrageous ones are there? Charlotte Cole wins uh, a stage at the Giro Rosa. Is that back to being Women's World Tour? I think it is. Damn. And you might have the edge then on this this over-under. But yeah, there are hot takes for the Team DSM women's team. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to give us a review on podcast players on Spotify. You can give us a rating now, newly added feature, or give the video a like on 
YouTube. We'll be churning through some more previews to the 2022 season in the coming days. And I think we've got a big team, big, big, big team coming up in the next one. But until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 